The Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast is proudly sponsored by New Vision. My team, Kanda, power. I love the power. power, power. I love the power. power, power. Love Hi and welcome to the Big Footy Port Adelaide podcast. This is a weekly show dedicated to all things Port Adelaide Footy Club. I'm your host, Maca19. And joining me as co-host is Fishing with Co. Four. How are you, mate? Yeah, very good, buddy. What about you? Always good, buddy. No letdown from the the showdown. You're still on a, an emotional high. Still on a high, mate. Still on a high. Good Love work. It. And for his return to the podcast is the preview king. We're talking with Noobzor. Hey guys, thanks for having me back again. Ah, oh, pleasure, mate. How you been? Yeah. Oh yeah, just the usual. Just the usual. That's the way. Now, before we get into the uh, the preview proper, I might find out uh, just a little bit of your thoughts on the season to date, mate. Um, how have you found the first two rounds? Um, to be honest, it's oh, it's hard to explain. I just love the feeling around the footy club. Um, and I'm, I'm just getting so nervous before games now, and it's just the weight of expectation. It's strange coming into games and thinking, you know, we're such a good chance of winning this and you're expecting to win by a large amount and just the way we're playing footy, it's just exciting, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, and it's, it's good having the, um, the problem of having young and um, young more um, sitting on the sidelines and just the depth we've got is just outstanding. There's a lot of guys that could be playing but just aren't at the moment, which is definitely a good sign. Hmm. So do you feel um, as a supporter base we're getting a bit too far ahead of ourselves or or what about uh, David uh, Pender P and his accusations that we're getting arrogant as a club releasing all that audio too early do you do you agree with those sort of sentiments or you you think we're still pretty grounded Um I definitely think we're still grounded I, I don't see a problem with that audio being released at all i don't know how that's a sign that we're getting ahead of ourselves it's just the pre-game speech and the the speech itself from kern was grounded in itself he was keeping them you know their heads in the game he was telling them exactly how it was it wasn't like he was telling them they were going to definitely get the four points and not to worry about it yeah Yeah, i thought i thought it was a bit of an odd call too myself but i guess it's been topical during the week i mean we had the um we had the telecasters in the box for round one last year. So if we if this is arrogant releasing a 90-second bit of audio, then what the hell is having bloody uh, Fox footy in the box for the Melbourne game last year? Mm. Yeah, yeah I think... Ridiculous comment. Yeah, and even just the way we've gone around our footy. I mean, we came out in the first quarter and just absolutely wiped Adelaide off the, off the park and... You know, you'd think if it was a sign of we're getting ahead of ourselves in complacency, we would have had our usual sort of first quarter. Yeah, that's it. I think it's just a sign that uh, some people in the media are getting a bit scared of what's going to happen, to be honest. Yeah, I'm with you, mate. I think there's a bit of uh, desperate, desperation there with the with the claims. But you know, I think it's... I said it on the forum today. I just think it's very smart uh, marketing on our part, you know, to try and make ourselves a little bit relevant in the competition again. And, you know, with such a, a competitive environment now, um, giving access to the media, which then in turn gives us exposure on a national stage, um, it's a very smart strategy. Yep. Yeah, particularly with the, the nature of the pregame speech from Hinckley. I mean, that was just so relatable to anyone that's ever had a footy coach. 
I mean, he didn't he didn't talk about anything too technical. It was just basic footy and the basic sort of rev up speech. And I think everyone could probably relate to that. Yeah. What I liked about it was that it was calm. Yeah, he could have really gone the opposite. You know, gone the the yelling and really motivating and trying to yell and uh, and trying to grab the attention, but. For the game that it was and the pressure that was on there, I think his approach, which obviously paid off in the end, of having the boys calm at the beginning of the game, and he was calm, and so everyone was relaxed, I think was a very smart uh, implementation of uh, psychology on his part. Mm. Yeah, I think the thing I liked about it most definitely was um, he gave a little nod to Tommy Jonas right at the end, which I think was probably a good thing to do, considering he's the youngest and newest member of the... um, Leadership group, he probably would have been a bit nervous, I'd suggest. So, of course, the reason we're doing this podcast tonight is to preview the Port Adelaide versus North Melbourne clash, which is, of course, round three. It's going to be played at Etihad Stadium on Sunday afternoon. Win loss record. It's not pretty for Port Adelaide, uh, this one. It's uh, 8.20 in North Melbourne's favour. The last time we met was a bit of a joke. We lost by 10 points with a 15.38 free kick differential, which is uh, just about the biggest difference in history, I would think. Um, And, of course, the last time we won was round 8, 2012, um, at Footy Park, where we had one of the all-time great last quarter comebacks. Gathered, though, by Broadbent through the middle of the ground. Now a long kick down in the Paul Stewart direction. He marks and plays on. He keeps his footing. Got away from Ferrito to put Port Adelaide in trouble. Game um, yeah, yeah I, I think that someone posted today, and I thought it was a very good point, that the win-loss is a little bit misleading because we had the nine straight losses to them since our inception. Yeah. And since then, it's been just about 50-50. Um, so I'm not too concerned in that regard. No, that's fair enough as well. Um, so what can we expect from North Melbourne this week? Um, Noobzer, I might throw to you for that one, mate. Um, oh, I've just watching their first two games. They've just really struggled um, in terms of their structure and definitely through the midfield. And um, oh, I don't know. They they have the cattle, but they just don't seem to be playing to any sort of specific game plan. I mean, Brad Scott has always been someone who um, has been an all-out attack in terms of his coaching. And now with the changes in the coach's box, and it seems a change with his mentality. He's trying to teach them defensive footy, and they're sort of stuck at the moment. Um, there's no fluidity to their ball movement and they're very slow and it's almost like they're all caught in two minds, which I think could definitely play into our hands come uh, game day on Sunday. I think um, well, you're right about their defensive aspect and I wonder if that's the uh, the Lee Tudor influence coming over from Sydney and, uh, and that's causing a bit of a uh, timing differential for North Melbourne with transitioning in their game plan. Yeah, they just yeah, kind I think... of, yeah, they remind me sort of of um, the Crows going back to sort of like 2005, 2006. They seem to be playing a really old style of footy that was sort of in about six or seven years ago. And I just find them boring. They're just a boring club to watch at the moment. They've got plenty of good players, uh, plenty of good sort of grunty midfielders, um, a fair bit of pace, a, a good young sort of forward line. But they're just bloody vanilla. They're so vanilla and so boring at the moment. 
Yeah, and the first two weeks, the, the midfielders just spent so much time chasing and, yeah, they're missing targets and they're, they're not running defensively and they're not filling defensive space. And then when they do get the footy, it's, as you said, it's just boring and they're, yeah, really struggling. Are they trying to um, cluster around the ball and just have excessive numbers around the ball to, to slow the game down? I don't think so. No, not that I've noticed. It's just that uh, they're very, very slow in moving the ball. Yeah, well, that would be... Oh, sorry, mate. I was going to say that no, would you... be to their detriment um, against Port, which is uh, now a very uh, fluid team and a very fast ball-moving team. If uh, if they're a bit slow uh, moving the ball with our uh, attacking pressure at the contest and really ferocious in that, in that aspect of the game, uh, that's going to be quite to their undoing, really, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, especially because they are really struggling to hit targets and even just handballs, they're missing targets and you know what we're like on the fast break and I am really am expecting us to just kill them in the midfield and lots of rebound footy and move it quick and yeah, I guess that's why I'm so confident, really. Well, let's talk about the teams. Um, it doesn't look like on face value at the moment there's going to be any change to either side. Um, both have obviously added the three emergencies. Uh, for us, it's Cam O'Shea and Aaron Young and Cameron Hitchcock, um, and for North Melbourne, it's Joel Tippett, Liam Anthony, and Ben Jacobs. Yeah, there's a lot of rumour going around that Zeebel's going to miss, though. He's going to be laid out. Hmm. I wonder if Jacobs will come in. That'll be interesting. Yeah, the North board, from what I've read, seemed to think that if Zeebel comes out, Jacobs slots straight, straight in, which would be interesting, as you say. Yeah, they're probably more of a like-for-like sort of um, replacement than Liam Anthony, I guess. Well, who are the players then that um, we have to watch out for? I've got a vague recollection that uh, Daniel Wells did well against us last game. And uh, and I think Andrew Swallow did well for them as well. But obviously he's not going to be playing, so that will be to our advantage. Yeah, Wells has had a very slow start to the season. I think the big one um, is Del Santo. He's added just so much to their team and in a team that's really struggling uh, with fluidity of ball movement and hidden targets. He's just setting them up beautifully and bringing players into the game. So I think he's the one we really got to watch. Yep. Yeah, he's certainly their prime mover at the moment. He's getting high numbers of the ball, lots of clearances, lots of contested footy. Um, he's a, Obviously, we know he's a fantastic player. And as you say, he's added a lot to their midfield. Um, I think Drew Petrie's probably another one that would count as a key player. He's kicked 12 goals in the last three matches against Port. and um, We seem to sort of struggle against his height and strength a bit. Um, he hasn't had a really good start to the season, but he's someone that seems to always lift against Port Adelaide. And um, Todd Goldstein uh, had an epic game against us last week, and I was really happy uh, last year, and I was really happy with Loeb's performance last week. We all cried for him to stand up, and he did stand up, and Again, we're going to need him to uh, stand up again, especially seeing we don't really have any cover- coverage for him. So, And obviously Drew Petrie will uh, switch into the ruck a little bit as well, I would imagine. So they're probably uh, two big men that we're going to have to focus a lot of energy on. Um, I think Curry, he got a game last week and he's still named, so I think Curry would probably be playing second fiddle to Goldie this week and Deep Petrie just be playing as a pure deep forward. Oh, OK, I thought I read that uh, Curry might be missing out. No, according to the ins and outs, he's still in. Yeah. Okay. That rumour's not true then. <laughs> <laughs> um, Bloody think... big footy. North <laughs> Melbourne supporters let me down once again. 
It is a very tall forward line, though. I mean, Curry's 201 centimetres, Petrie's 197, and Aaron Black's 192. So it is quite a bit hot, uh, quite a bit more height difference than what we would see with our defenders that would be matching on them. I would think. Yeah, especially if you got Trengo, if it was our tallest defender, um, switching out with Lob Loby for every now and again in rocket. I mean, that's our tallest defender gone. Yeah. So they're going to be giving up a bit of height. Yeah, but if we can bring the ball to ground, you'd have to think that's going to be a massive advantage with our uh, midfielders uh, dropping back and linking up with the defenders. We'll have massive uh, uh, running advantage coming out of defence over their um, over their forwards, and and therefore uh, transition play should greatly be in our our favour. I would imagine. Yeah, the most the most dangerous forward, in my opinion, is definitely Lindsay Thomas um, with the way they've been playing this season. And he's excellent below his knees as well as being a lead-up, shorter sort of forward. So um, when we do get it to ground, I think we've got an advantage. But whoever's playing on Thomas, which I think would be Impey gets first crack, and then Jonas, if that doesn't go too well, um, would definitely have to step up in that case. I think Impey would go to him again, I would think. He had a pretty good game on Betts. He, uh, he had a great game on Garlett. Yeah. Um, mm. Let's keep throwing him on these good uh, small forwards and see what he can do, I reckon. Yeah, which I love because um, in that case, you're free Jonas right up, who's so versatile in terms of being able to run through the midfield with someone or, you know, back up into defence. Absolutely. And, you know, I think a few people just looked at the uh, the rap sheet last week for Eddie Betts with four goals. and But I thought uh, Jarman Impey, did a pretty good job. I think he, Eddie only kicked three on Jarman, and and then another one was pretty much undefendable from a, uh, a poor turnover on our part. So, you know, if you look at it that way, really, Eddie only kicked two uh, pure goals on on Jarman Impey, and I thought his run and his input throughout the whole game was fantastic. And, and like you said, he did a great job on Garlett as well uh, the week before. So why shouldn't he have first crack at uh, Lindsay Thomas to see what he can do? Let's see, get around him, back him in. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, what's the point in uh, sheltering them? You know, I mean, fair enough if they're completely out of their depth. Yeah, you need to uh, find another matchup or give them a rest in the seconds. But uh, I haven't, uh, I haven't had that uh, sense from him yet. So let's keep him going. Yeah, how much experience would he be getting? Even just those. I mean, Garlett and Betts are two very smart small forwards, and the sort of exposure that he's getting to him is going to put him in such good standing for the rest of his career. I'm a big fan of Jarman. It was amazing from when he got drafted and it was like, oh, who is he? I don't even, uh, haven't even heard of that name. No one even paid attention to him. And and then the more and more I just watch him run, he's just such a smooth runner. He, uh, his running style just reminds me so much of Andrew McLeod. And obviously we know how much of a champion he was. If he can uh, be half the player of, uh, of Andrew, would be uh, going very well. Yeah, um, I think one more that we've really got to look out for um, and someone who in a season where North have really struggled getting forward, I think the most dangerous midfielder, even at his age is definitely Brent Harvey. He's the only one I can think of that is able to break lines and move the ball quickly forward. Um, so whoever's on him is going to have their hands full, whether that's Corns or White or even Jonas. got to say, I'm really looking forward to the day that Brent Harvey retires just so he can't kill us anymore. <laughs> the, guy, the guy's broken my heart so many times. He's probably the number one player that uh, we've never really been able to handle um, throughout our history, really. Um, he's kicked more goals than any other club, third most disposals and third in Brownlow votes against Port Adelaide. Mm. 
Which is why it's interesting to see who's going to match up with him. I mean, he's the prototype of the player that we allegedly recruited White for, but White was sub last week and when he came on was predominantly heading into attack. So it'll be interesting to see who matches up with him all day. Well, do we see White starting this week? I think he'd be the perfect matchup for Harvey. Yeah, I agree. I wouldn't be surprised to see maybe a Pittard um, drop back to sub and then White starting the game and on Harvey. Yep. Yeah, you you wouldn't want to see him probably having uh, stringing too many games in a row on the bench. And look, we've got enough enough depth to uh, uh, really cycle through it. I mean, we were talking earlier in the week on the boards about um, uh, Dom Cassisi and his calf, the old man injury, or um, prone to injury. And I thought maybe this was a perfect opportunity to uh, uh, take a bit of the work, workload off of Dom this game and uh, on the faster track and the harder track and potentially give uh, maybe someone like Aaron Young an opportunity to come in for him and, and freshen Dom up for round four. I thought you were going to say um, Cassisi to sub for a second there, but yeah, I agree completely. I mean, even you got all that options on the ben- on the extended bench in terms of O'Shea and Hitchcock and Aaron Young who can all run, so I don't see harm in that. Let's face the facts, Cam Hitchcock ain't playing, is he? No. So they're only, if they're going to swap, it's only going to be O'Shea or Aaron Young, I would imagine. Well, both of them are playing tonight as well, so I don't know if we'll risk it. Well, maybe even, I mean, someone like O'Shea, who's, you know, his endurance is just out of this world. I mean, I can imagine he, he being able to double up, even if he's got the vest on the weekend, if it comes to it. Yep. I guess the other thing to talk about is uh, the battle of the inside midfielders. Um, that's probably where this is going to be won and lost. Um, obviously, we've got plenty of our own in guys like uh, Boak, Wines, Ebert and Hartlett, and they've got plenty of these sort of sort of stocky, short, sluggish uh, inside mids as well. Guys like Dow Santo, Zeeble, Cunnington. Um, it's almost like Battle of the Clones, really. Yeah, I, I think where we definitely have the advantage is that a lot of North midfielders are definitely one-trick ponies. I mean, you look at guys like Cunnington, um, and they're great at winning the ball, but um, if they're pitted head-to-head against someone like Boca Ebert, Boca and Ebert are so clever with their running and their spread so well that um, even if they're not winning the inside ball against them, I think we're definitely going to win the battle overall because of the ability to spread and hurt them the other way. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, yeah, I just... Well, I, I think our midfield's just stepped it up a notch now, and... Uh, We've got the the two way running is really our advantage and uh, and from what you guys were saying and from what I've seen this year um, from the limited uh, aspect of uh, North Melbourne it's uh, you know that's really our massive advantage isn't it? Mm. I mean yeah, I'm just looking at the statistics for the two teams we've been averaging 366 disposals to North Melbourne uh, 328 clearances 37 to 34 inside 50s 50 to 42. And contestant possessions 148 to 118. Um, you'd have to think that if that trend was uh, to continue in this game, um, you know those figures would be look, uh, illustrating maybe a, a five-six goal win. Looking at those stats. Yeah. Yeah, I think even even if we were to lose the contested ball, I think North as a whole have really struggled once they've got the footy out. So, I mean, if they're getting their hands on the footy first. I mean, obviously, you take it one week at a time and things might change, but basing it upon how they've been going so far this season, first hands on the footy doesn't necessarily mean they're at an advantage. 
Yeah, I'm really surprised by their contested possession numbers, really. I mean, uh, what's that? That's 59 uh, contested possessions a game. You know, I thought they were really a contested possession football team. So it's a bit surprising that we've got such a dominant uh, statistics there. Yeah, I think part of that is um, what I sort of hinted at earlier was Brad Scott's change in mentality in terms of um, the way he's coaching. Um, and the defensive mind to it might actually have caused him to take away that contested ball. Mm. It's also interesting one for the fans here that uh, we're averaging uh, 16 free kicks to uh, uh, North Melbourne's 10. I wonder if their uh, free kick average is going to go up after this weekend. Yeah, I'm not touching that one. No. <laughs> straight, straight to the keeper. No. <laughs> yeah. Now, who goes to Westhoff? Do we think uh, Lockie Hansen or Scott Thompson? Uh, the North Board seems to think Hansen just because he's a, a bit more of an endurance um, runner. Either way, it's I don't know. Westhoff is so hard to predict the matchup you're going to get with Westhoff just because of how versatile he is. Yeah. Yeah, the North Board's saying Hansen, though, I guess. I, I couldn't see more uh, Thompson. Do you reckon he could run yeah. with him around the whole ground? Um, I guess it depends what sort of role he plays. I mean, if he goes further up the field, I'm not sure I really see Hanson going with him either, to be honest, in that sort of role. But I don't know. I reckon they might try and uh, and get Thompson on him and, and try and get him to run off him a little bit because he's got probably better pace than what Westhoff has. Mm. So could mark. that... Could that be to Butcher's advantage? Because then who goes to Butcher? Uh, Grimo, who's under a bit of an injury crowd, crowd or um, Joel Tippett. Joel Tippett, yeah. Uh, uh, good old Tippo. Yeah, I think even the fact that they're playing Hanson in defence is a win because he was a, always been a forward. Um, I don't know what his numbers are, so I don't really have anything to back up, but I think our, our three tools match up very well against their three tools. He's been playing that sort of loose... Imagine when Westhoff plays down back, that's sort of the role that Hanson plays on a weekly basis, sort of dropping back, um, sort of half covers an opponent, half looks to sort of drop back and, and kill the contest and takes grabs and runs loose to create. You know, he gets a lot of the ball and takes a lot of marks. You know, he, he sort of, I think through the second half of last year, he was getting around about that sort of 18 to 20 touches, 10 marks a game, playing, you know, as that sort of third toll in defense, which is pretty good numbers. Mm. But at the, the same time, one. you do that against someone like Westhoff, um, that could hurt you the other way. Oh, for sure. Yeah. The other one uh, that we haven't really spoken about, which can do a bit of damage to us as well, is um, Daniel Wells. Um, what, who would we run with him? Would that be a Kane Corns type? I would probably look at playing Polek off him, to be honest, and yeah. seeing uh, if he can hurt Wells the other way. Wells hasn't had a big start to the year either. Um, actually, a lot of their sort of gun midfielders have been down, except for Dal Santo, really. So um, it'll be interesting to see how they play this week. Yeah, I, I think we'd start with Del Santo and maybe Harvey looking at, and then yeah, if if Wells starts getting off the leash a little bit, that's something you look at. But I can imagine we're pitting someone head to head with him to start with. He always worries me, Daniel, because he he seems to be quiet, and then uh, you know we seem to come up against him, and he always seems to do good things. Yeah. Bit like Boomer Harvey. Yes. <laughs> I get the feeling there's a bit of nervousness about North Melbourne for some reason. I guess it's because 
on paper, I think we should win um, and win quite comfortably, especially with how the form has, has looked so far this year. But you just never know with North. <laughs> you just never know when they're going to pull out a really, really good performance. Yeah. And our history at Etihad hasn't been fantastic either. We have to face the facts there. Yeah, that's right. I think, so, yeah, I think this will go a long way. I mean, we beat Colton round one at Etihad, but I think we win this weekend and we're going a long way to getting rid of that particular um, worry. Yep. And I mean, the North are a team. I mean, North are a team that play Etihad so well just because of typically um, how well they are attacking going forward and whatnot. All right, so time for the big four, which is the big four questions that will determine the result of the game. Uh, the first question is time to stand up. Noobzor, I might start with you, mate. Whose time is it to stand up? Uh, Rick's not going to like me this week, but I think it is definitely uh, Jasper Pittard. I mean, oh. <laughs> he's someone that, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Squeaking the chair in disgust again. He's furious. I love it. I mean, I don't know, he's someone that, Every now and again, he makes me eat my words, and he did have a big couple of preseason games, but he's had a flat couple of games to start the season. Um, and Stevenson and Heath are admittedly injured, who would probably come straight in for him, but you've got someone like Cam O'Shea waiting in the wings, and I think another quiet week for Jasper, and he might um, put his spot in the side in a bit of jeopardy. Um, so I think it's time for him to stand up and have a big game. Oh, mate. Great job. You're trying to fire me up. <laughs> I mean, you, guys, you guys have been, and a lot of the board have been very, very harsh on uh, on Jasper. And I thought his first first game, he was okay. Didn't set the world on fire. But, um, you know, last week, I thought he played a very, very good, solid game for a halfback uh, flanker. You know, it was only four possessions less than than Pollock, but he was a bit more defensive than what Pollock was. You know, he had four tackles, 16 possessions, four marks, six rebound 50s. Disposal efficiency was nearly 70%. He did a lot I feel of like blocks. you've prepared this, Rick. Yeah, it seems like you've prepared someone to say I'm actually going, off, I'm going off the top of my head here. He had a lot of blocks, a <laughs> lot of shepherds, a lot of little gives that generated run, and I think it's a lot of that stuff's been uh, overlooked by the Port Faithful, and uh, they need to a little bit, I think, remove the preconceived negativity around Jasper and he's the O'Shea equivalent of 2012. I think you've just described the other JP in Jared Polek. I think you've read the wrong stats. <laughs> no, I haven't, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, I just think everyone needs to be open-minded. But saying that, I respect everyone's opinions and uh, let him stand up and prove everybody wrong on that fast Eddie had surface on Sunday. Oh, well, I hope he does. I'd he be will. more than happy for Jasper Pittard to prove me wrong. He will. He will. So on that note, Rick, who's your time to stand up? I'm going for our captain. I, okay. um, mm. I mean, I think Travis has is always leading from the front. I would never dispute that, and I, I know I'm not disputing that he's not putting in a hundred percent. But you know, I think his uh, possession count the last couple of games. Uh, has been down and lacking a little bit of influence, and he, he's been getting a pretty hard tag. And uh, but uh, I think for us to go a long way, we need to see a two-way running, gut running, um, inside outside uh, play of Travis Boat this week to really stand up and and drive us forward. Yep, good call. I like that one as well. Yeah, um, um, he's been tagged the first two weeks, and I was thinking earlier this week about. Do North have a dedicated tagger? I don't think they do at the moment. 
No, probably not. I think Adams might sort of play a bit of a defensive role, and that's probably about it. I would think. Because mm. I think Green this might be in the side. So, but he was uh, he was sub last week. Yeah, I think this might be a big week for Trev. Um, yeah, I think they're not going to pay as much attention to him as he got in the first two weeks, and I think he might be having a breakout game for the year. Yeah. Hey, now you're stealing my call, man. What's going on there? <laughs> <laughs> All right, my time to stand up is Matthew White, which uh, it's not meant to sound harsh because he's had a, a really good first game. He had a he was fantastic as a sub last week, but I think it's now time for him to play a full game this week and really make it known why we targeted him. Uh, North have a lot of pretty quick guys in sort of Daniel Wells, uh, Lee Adams, Atley, and Harvey, and they're four guys that have sort of uh, done some damage to us in the past. I really liked him. Probably play on Harvey and really look to shut him down and kick a couple of goals the other way as well. Good work. Yep, can't fault that. Now, the danger man. Rick, who's your danger man this week? Who is my danger man? Uh, well, TK just posted now, um, why draft Nahas if you're not going to play him against Port? And he would have been my danger <laughs> man. Um, That's a great but- call. It is a great call, T. Cray. Um, yes, and I would have put him in instantly just for us. But I'm going to go with uh, Goldstein. Uh, we really don't want him dominating the ruck and uh, creating massive amount of clearances in their favour because that will generate their run. And uh, so I'm really looking forward to Lobie and our second ruckman uh, nullifying uh, his influence in the play and also up forward. Beautiful. Uh, mine is Lindsay Thomas. Um, I think that he had a very bad week last week, but based upon their season so far, he is the forward that will do the most damage. Um, I think our, our back three talls match up pretty well. Um, and Thomas is someone that could get away from us, especially, um, with a young player who's still learning the game in MP. Um, he's so strong below the knees and so strong on the lead, um, that he is someone that could cause a lot of problems for us. And I think the key to Lindsay Thomas is definitely um, all in the head. He struggled last week because he did get, um, he did find himself in the wrong mindset mentally. And I think that's a big key to getting on top of him. Yep. That's a good call. Uh, my danger man is Scott Thompson. I think he's probably the best defensive reader of the play in the whole league. Um, he's a fantastic defender. He can shut down one-on-one. And as we know, he can sort of read the play and, Drop off and, and kill contests as the third man up as well. Um, he's someone that we really got to look look out for and try and make accountable, not let him sort of uh, get off his player um, and kill those contests in front of Schultz. Um, that's what I'm worried about most of all, I think. Um, so he's probably my danger man this week. Yep, good call. And the key to winning is, uh, Noobs all? Uh, key to winning for us is uh, spreading. Uh, from the contest, I mean, you can win the inside. They're they're strong inside North Melbourne, but the, where you really hurt them is on the outside. And having um, you set outside players like Corns and Polak hurting them, but also players like Boak and Ebert and Wines uh, pushing from the contest and getting their hands on the footy and hurting them the other way. Defensive structure for me, mate. Uh, Want to make sure, and we've done it fantastically well the first two games. Uh, but I'm really looking forward to us uh, having the right defensive structures again, uh, which will deny uh, North Melbourne that 
that uh, transition run uh, because when I think of us getting burnt by North Melbourne, I'm always thinking of their transition counter-attacking run against us into an open forward line, which then burns us badly. Uh, so if we can keep our defensive structure, nullify that outside run and that transitional run, that's going to be our key to winning the game. Beautiful. Uh, my key to winning is Port winning the contested possessions. I think if we get first hands on the ball, if we stop their clearance winning mids from getting it first, I think we win the game. I think it comes down to if we win the contested possession count, we win this game. Simple as that. Yep. Yep. And last of all is the prediction. Rick, who are you predicting to win this one? I'm predicting Port Adelaide Macca, and uh, I think we're going to win by... Two goals. Nice. Noobs all? Uh, Port by two, two goals, one. Mate, oh. that's almost as cowardly as Macca's Adelaide tip last week. <laughs> but not well, chairworthy. <laughs> well, look, I'm going to pick uh, North Melbourne for this one. Uh, no, I'm not really. Again? No, what? no, no. Uh, I think we'll be too strong in the midfield. I think we've got too many options up forward. And I think we're going to be too strong down back. Um, and I think we'll win by 37 points. Oh, confidence. Very no, confident like for this one. I'm very, very confident we'll win this. Is it, This isn't the uh, kiss of death, though, is it, Macca? Uh, it could well be. It could well be. Why do you think I keep picking the Crows every time we play? <laughs> I can imagine. it works. Yeah. <laughs> I, don't want to, uh, I don't want to spend too much time on it, but... Um, I'm still beating you, Macca, in the tips by two points. So I think it's uh, seeing you. I'm still winning. It's worth persisting with doing this. So I, uh, <laughs> once, once you start winning, we can stop if you want to. Um, so maybe we should just quickly rattle off our tips for the other games. All right. Hawthorne Frio. I will tip uh, Hawthorne. Yeah, I'm going Hawthorne. Noobs? Uh, yeah, Hawthorne easily. Frio just have too many outs. That's it. Uh, the Cows versus the Swans. I'm going to pick Sydney just for this one. Yeah, I went Sydney. Yeah, Sydney. Could be another one of those North Melbourne Bulldog first quarter games from last week, I reckon. Could be ugly. Yeah. I see they've uh, they've dropped a lot of players, the Crows, so yeah. it's good we did a bit of damage. Absolutely. Uh, Western Bulldogs versus Richmond. I think Richmond will win that one quite comfortably. Did I? Yep. Uh, Gold Coast versus Brisbane. Uh, I'm going to tip Gold Coast. Yep, Gold Coast yep. for me. Gold Coast, pretty boring so far. Yeah. West Coast versus St Kilda. I'm going to pick St... Uh, no, uh, West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Oh, we're West Coast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think we'll be seeing any uh, big celebrations from St Nick as he pumps a, pumps a bottom four team, so West Coast for me. No. That's it. Collingwood versus Geelong, that's going to be a good one. Uh, I think Geelong will be too strong for them this week. Yeah, I've gone Geelong too. I, I think uh, Collingwood's still a bit shaky. Uh, they're actually my roughy for the week, Collingwood, so yeah. I like that call. I do. Yeah. I want to pick Collingwood, but I just can't with uh, Rick in front, I think. Yeah, I'm a brave <laughs> man, which is why I lose tipping every year. <laughs> GWS versus Melbourne. I'm going to pick uh, the Giants. Yeah, I've gone Giants, but this is one where it wouldn't surprise me if Melbourne just comes out with a bit of an upset. Uh, yeah, I'm going GWS, and I can't help but notice while we're on the topic that young Jimmy Tumpus has been dropped from the Melbourne lineup. Yes. Yeah. Come back. 
come back. <laughs> yeah. Yep. <laughs> and Viv Mitchy as well. There goes my dream team. Oh, I hadn't thought of that. <laughs> and uh, Essendon and Carlton. I'm going to pick Essendon. Oh, and Essendon as well. Uh, I'm going Carlton just because oh. right, just because Ryder's out. No, I don't think that's yes. going to help him. Cruiser's out too, remember? Oh, true. Yeah, but the Western, I mean, Bell Chambers is out. Who's there, Ruckman? I don't think it matters against Carlton. Probably Danaher. Mm. Yeah. yeah, what he actually looked really good in the Ruck. They were very lucky that they got him as a father-son. How much of a gun is Danaher going to be? Oh, he would have gone big one last player. year. Oh, mm. you before, Arthur? Yeah, yeah. Sure. absolutely. Yeah, no, absolutely. But anyway, good luck to him, I guess. No, well, you won't make any ground on me, Macca, so uh, looks like we'll be doing the tips again next week. <laughs> That's it. Good yeah, you work. both seven. <laughs> Actually, you know, I, just very quickly, I don't want to stretch it out too long, but um, I went in a sports bet, and I did I did Hawthorne, Richmond, and I did Sydney by 1 to 40, Gold Coast and West Coast, and that gave me odds of 20 to 1, which I thought was pretty strong. Jeez, that's not bad. Yeah, so I left out Geelong, Collingwood, because I reckon that could... I think you're on the money with Collingwood, but you know, I'm not going to risk uh, that pick. But, uh, yeah, just those fives, I think, uh, are pretty good, reasonable bets. And, uh, you know, at 20 to 1, I think that's uh, quite reasonable. Jeez, mate, Actually, that comes I think I might stop paying you. <laughs> really? It's that bag of potato chips I get every week. I'm not going to get them anymore. That's it. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> cheer, cheer the black and the white. Honor the magpies day and by night. Live that loyal So, of course, it's round one for the SANFL this week as well, with Port Magpies going to, uh, to Nord Oval tonight uh, to play Nord. Uh, we've played 291 times. Port's still leading by a very small margin these days, uh, by 194 to 188 wins. Um, Nord have actually won the last eight against Port at Cooper Stadium. Got to go back to the first round of 2007 for the last Port victory at the ground. And Port's last win against Nord was round 11, 2013. Now, as this game is being played tonight, uh, we're actually halfway through the third quarter as we speak, with Nord winning by 31 points, which is uh, a bit of a disaster, I would think. Absolutely. I I would agree with that one, yeah. But I guess... uh... It shows all these um, SANFL supporters freaking out that the power power team reserves and the Crows are going to dominate uh, uh, makes a bit of a mockery of that. Well, now they're going to say we don't care about winning. (laughs) (laughs) You can't win either way, can you? No, that's it. How are the the AFL players going so far, Macca? Well, we've got 15 AFL-listed players out there uh, this evening. Aaron Young's probably... Looking at the stats, he's been best on ground. He's currently got 21 touches uh, and nine clearances, so that's a very, very good game by Youngie so far. Absolutely. Uh, Mitch Harvey's looked not too bad up forward. He's kicked a goal. Mm-hmm. Um, Benny Harron has been okay. Uh, Cam O'Shea, he's had plenty of it. Um, Sammy Colhoun, so has he. Um, a bit disappointing, Needy, uh, Carl Amon and Brendan Archie haven't really done much at the moment. Hmm. They'd be more uh, the more flanker type players though, and I guess if we're getting uh, dominated around the contest, it's probably going to be a little bit harder for them to get ball too, isn't it? That's it. I say Needy's struggled a bit, but he's just kicked a ripper goal just then, so um, good on him. Which is what he's paid the big bucks to do. 
absolutely. So are you a bit disappointed with that scoreline? Oh, absolutely. I mean, we've got 15 AFL players out there. Nord's only got eight of their uh, premiership side from last year out there. Um, this is not a good scoreline. This is not what I would have expected. It seems like we haven't really held back with Young, but have we held any of the subs back somewhat? Uh, no, Young has had 21 touches, O'Shea's had 13, and uh, Hitchcock's had nine so far. So. Uh, mate, there you go. They're holding back uh, Hitchcock to play on yeah. uh, Sunday. Hamstring. <laughs> Porsche will be loving that one. Mm. And well, let's, a hope there's a, uh, let's hope there's a bit of a comeback in the last quarter. Well, five goals in modern football is still possible, isn't it? Definitely. We sound overly pumped for the game ourselves. <laughs> it's inspired me. I don't know what's going on. I'd be a lot more pumped if we were leading at the moment. But, uh, yeah, it's just ticked over three-quarter time and it's uh, five goals, seven to ten goals, eight. So it's not <laughs> uh, not too pretty. And it's funny, uh, Red One just posted on Big Footy on a positive note. After watching the Magpies game, all the power players look to have no problems keeping their spots. <laughs> <laughs> Very true. Yes. Oh, well, like you said, hopefully we can come back. Mm. All right. Well, we might leave it there for this evening. Noobs or absolute pleasure to have you back on, mate. Yeah, thanks for having us again, guys. Look forward to the next time we meet. Absolutely. It's been great. Yeah, thanks for coming. And Rick, as always, buddy. Pleasure, mate. Pleasure. Get that bet on. I reckon it'll be good value. <laughs> Let's hope for a big win this weekend. Count the power. Count the power. Oh, that's limp again, Rick. You've got to do harder. <laughs> no, I don't. That's as far as I go, man. Oh. Hey, I did better than Noobs or He didn't oh. even do anything. Well, I didn't know that was a thing. <laughs> you've got to cheer. you got to cheer. Noobs. Hello. <laughs> 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 Did someone yell it out from the Hello, background? Hello, someone in the background. Yes, that would be Mrs. Noobzor. <laughs> now, can't appear. There we go. Here it is. Good man. That's it. Oh, what a handball from... Could be a Great. catastrophic error. And Wingard can make it really, really sting.